Good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, folks. This is Galanti and Chill. And of course, I am Galanti. With me today is Stephen O'Teary. Hello. Jonathan Suarez. Hello. And Devin, just like Chevy Chase, Kobe. You know, I was waiting. I was Chevy waiting Kobe. for that. I was wondering why I was last. <laughs> Chevy Kobe. Wondering. Chevy Kopech, practically baby. the same person. <laughs> hey, that's that's really good. I think, right? He's really successful and funny and really well liked. Yeah, Chris, thank you. I really appreciate that. What a very nice thing to say. Well, if you guys don't know, uh, I will be talking about the vacation movies tonight or on this podcast. I don't know when you're listening to this, but um, you call it the vocation movies. It's about him going to work. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> there's nothing but problems with that, and that's what I'm going to bring up because that's the most interesting thing about the vacation movies, hands down. But um, I think this is going to be kind of a short entry because I only watched the uh, four. You watched one, and then you rage quit the rest of them. <laughs> Chris said, I get it. They I'm go done. on vacation. <laughs> I was yeah, thinking about it. I can't it. do this anymore. European Thanks. vacation, definitely. I was thinking about it. They have <laughs> this many issues. Just tone it down, guys. Just, you know. Yeah. Just stop going, man. <laughs> stop going on vacation. Go see a travel agent. Um, <laughs> however, before I jump into the vacation movies and the trials and tribulations of one Chevy Chase, uh, I, you know, I watched some good shit. Over over this week weekend that I want to talk about, I'm sure you guys did too. Um, partially, I want to talk about uh, Infinity Pool, which I saw in theaters. I saw that as well with you. Yeah, Devin saw that with me. Um, very very good flick by Brandon Cronenberg. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's quite the nightmare of a film. I yeah, 100. Uh, it is um, another one of those movies. I've been watching a lot of films. That are just tearing down the wealthy, the rich, the rich people of our society, showing how Heck awful yeah, man. and terrible <laughs> they are. Um, yeah, it's like a common theme in the last two years. I, f- I feel um, about that, um, and this film is God. That's exactly what this is all about. Um, the plot basically is um, rich people go to this country, this fictional country. It's not real. And um, there are all these weird traditions in this country, one of them being that almost every law that is broken, uh, basically the punishment is is execution. But if you're rich enough, you can clone yourself and watch your clone be executed in front of you. Um, yeah. It's, like a, it's a surrogate punishment, essentially. Right. Mm. Yeah. So um, like, you still get punished, but it's your clone that gets the, 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 the punishment. That gets various... And it's like always somewhat different, you know, like the actual execution is just weird and and violent and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, definitely not like, you know, as any any type of humane execution, whatever that means. Um, it's just uh, horrifying, really, when you break it down. And, well, I don't want to give too much away. And I, I will say that it has to do with uh, overindulgence and the rich basically getting away with murder. Um, but there's a lot more going on with this. And I have to say, this is like one of the better Cronenberg films I've ever seen, including his father. Like it, it's, it's very, very good. Uh, very good commentary on the rich. Really well acted, too. We got a scars guard in there. Oh, uh, well, y'all! Every movie has a scars guard. <laughs> no, okay, so not only did we get a scars guard, but we got a basically a permanently drooling scars guard. <laughs> that funny. dude is spit is, is dribbling like, down his chin in seventy percent of the scenes. Why though? Because I condition. I don't. Not really. Well, I mean, in a lot, a lot of the cases, he's on drugs. Yeah, he's on drugs. But the one time he's just getting a hang job and his reaction is like just drool, which is a bit weird. I mean, he took a he took an acting choice. Like yeah, like I was like, listen, I I don't mean to get too blue on here, but I was like, I don't act like that when that happens to me. Seemed a bit. uh, Hey, when Mia Goth is tugging on you, man, I guess, I guess. 
I guess. Uh, she was also very good in this. I she was very good in this. She's, I, I keep hearing that she's just good in everything. She's yeah, good. she's kind of just it? great at acting. I think she's pretty good. She's, she's gonna be a thing. new. She's gonna be new Avenger, right? She's probably gonna be like. Oh man, Sue Storm or some bullshit, right? <laughs> that would John, be. That? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just like I like ruining your launch. I'm not gonna lie. That would be like that'd be That's like. It's gonna happen. A really weird choice for Sue. Like, unless Sue Storm is going to be, you know what? If it's the Sue Storm that like basically cheats on Reed with Namor, 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 uh, then then yes, uh, I could see Mia Goth just being a complete witch. You know, I don't just know. Being, who, like, I don't know if I would pick her as Sue Storm. I, I think, I think her Jessica Storm. Alba. I think she would probably. <laughs> oh, you know what? We can get. We can get. Um, a guy from the shield, uh, Michael Chiklis. He can be the thing. Oh, good pick. All right. Uh, throw Chris Evans in there somewhere, too. I know he's been everything, <sighs> but, you know, make him something else. You know, it's been a long time since he's been Captain America. The audiences will have forgotten. Make him make him name of Doctor Doom. Must... <laughs> that would be... No, no, nah, nah, you know what? They should just Doctor bring Doom that. Took off the mask and it was Steve Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say, you remember that old show Nip Tuck? They should take that guy. He'd be a good doctor too. Yeah, make him a, th- a thing, and then forget about him. Who am I forgetting? <laughs> oh, oh, Mister Fantastic. I don't, I don't know who that is. Oh, you know that guy from that King Arthur movie with Stellan Skarsgård? Wrapping it up. About, are you wrapping about it up? Formers four. No, that's the only King Arthur movie I know. Oh, <laughs> uh, when Optimus Prime decided to be King Arthur. The search that. for Optimus's gold. Man, um, I, I've said I've told this story real quick. Real, I like I was waiting to like see a movie, and I was like I was like an hour early, and I just had some time to kill. So I walked into the one with, well, I guess it's like the second or third one. the The one that's about the knights. That's uh, the fourth third, one. Third. Yeah, the fourth or fifth or tenth one, whatever it was. Fantastic. And no, 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 Transformers. no, Transformers. Oh, Transformers. Oh. And I just sat there and just watched it kill some time. And I was like, this is the worst thing I've seen in so long. It is so fucking bizarre. Uh, such a bizarre movie. Rise and, of the Robots. What the fuck yeah, I was like, I. well, there's Beast Wars is coming out, which uh. I, I'm, I'm sad to say, Chris. It kind of, it kind of. Didn't they already do that? Man, come on, no. Beast Wars. dude! Damn, I love Beast Wars. No, you're that's what I'm saying. That, right? You're hyped for that. I'm, right? I like. I'm sad to report that I'm kind of much more interested now because I'm like, yo, oh, Beast Wars. Oh shit, Optimus <laughs> oh, Prime. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Oh what? Okay. Oh, yeah. We got Beast, we got Beast Wars. Wait, is it Michael Bay again? Yeah, is it Michael uh, Bay? Uh, I yeah, don't it think it's guys. Michael Bay. Uh, trans- uh, I think he's watched his of the Transformers movies, Mr. I, I think they just kind of were like got memed on too much. Once they didn't once using the same fucking like, B roll footage since Pearl Harbor. <laughs> hey is that man, why? guy knows how to save Billy. Uh, Stephen Capel Jr. is the of course director. He did Creed two. Oh, oh, okay. interesting. Uh, and it's only Chris. It only has one, two, three, four, five, five writers. So, oh my god, <laughs> I think it's gonna be pretty good. <laughs> Dude, that's a, that's a team right there. It has to be good. Oh, oh man. <laughs> dude, but, uh, dude, come on. Seeing fucking the Beast Wars Transformers, though, is going to yeah. be pretty, pretty hype. That was, that and was gonna my. Be, and it's going to be stupid at the same time. So, of course. Like, yeah, I mean, like, let's be honest. You're not going in there expecting much. No, I think they should just, you know, let's just cut it. We're in the, we're in the timeline where everything crosses over now. Just go straight for Transformers versus G.I. Joe. Just Ooh, do it. Okay. Well, they would have if G.I. Joe wasn't horrible. You know, I mean, no, no, no. I mean, just like rip it like all new. Like, don't even he hated use those old he movies. Hated yeah. You know, apparently he was forced to do it. They have like an option on him. Really? Yeah. He he said no like eight or nine times, he said. And then they just just like. You got pictures of him fucking. Dude, you got you got to do. Well, I think maybe it was the second one. He, they're like, you have to do it, and then Mr. they're Tatum, like, fine. We'll corpse. All the GI Joe movies. Like All GI Joe, and they're like, fine, whatever. I yeah. feel like you could have gotten Army Hammer for that role. He would have been. Well, uh, he would have been hungry for that role. <laughs> do I get a piece of Joe? <laughs> <laughs> 
GI tract eating Joe. I forget who <laughs> Joe was. You know there was like a GI Joe in that movie. I thought like, you were gonna think... say in real life. <laughs> this is <a> real <laughs> GI Joe. I was waiting for that, man. <laughs> no, I mean like it's like some His name fucking was Geronimo. Inigo. It's some. It's some like grimy. Act. It's some grimy Joe. actor. Grimy. Yeah, some older gr- Dennis Quaid. I think he was like oh, Joe. Dennis oh yeah, in the first Quaid. movie. Yeah, yeah, you're right. One of them was Joe. Steve. I don't know. I don't make the rules, dude. But what if you did for one day? For one beautiful day. Uh, Infinity Pool. I'm going to give that a Mary. Oh, yeah. Nice. Enjoyed Ooh. it. I, I suggest Whoa, Mary. It. I, I really loved it. Let's it, go. It, it clicked with me. I was, I'm not a huge fan of Possessor, his first film. I think there's some cool technical shit that that he did in that movie. And Brandon Cranenberg. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, I really liked the technical aspects of Possessor. It's not so much a great movie. But um, this one, I think he, he knocked this one out of the park. I really liked it a lot. Uh, I would give it a fuck. Cool. I, I don't think I liked it as much as... I also... As much as Top Gun? Yeah. Why you gotta start? Shit? <laughs> oh, wow! I, I did like Top Gun better. I'm uh, I'm reaching my hand. Under the they're table very different movies, Steve, but me and Steve uh, are high fiving under the table right so, now. Oh, are we high fiving? Oh yeah, yeah. Really let's go, let's go. Yeah, actually, I do remember when uh, Tom Cruise is drooling in on all over his chin in the jet, and then the jet blows up, and then he just a clone oozes out of a puddle. Uh, yeah, I suggest go see it. Maybe not. I'd say wait for it to come to streaming, yeah. but uh, it's definitely worth your time. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the other thing I'd like to talk about, I actually watched, uh, before I get into the big show we all watched. Well. Not that one. Uh, watch the Eagles win. That's what you watched. Of course. Eagles. They're in the Super Bowl. Eagles. In the Super Bowl. Big game. They're in the big game. Yeah, they're in the... Big boy game. I, you know, it's funny that this actually is a correlation between the show I watched and Last of Us. Uh, the show that that show being the uh, the White Lotus. I watched the first season. Oh yeah, oh. did you like that show? Sam really liked that show. It wasn't bad, but um, okay. that's like, funny. That's where, she's like, that's what Frank's from. Exactly. I don't know what that. Yeah, is. no, Chris. It's funny you say that because I'm like, I have one more episode left on the season one. Season one is uh, it's okay. It's not great. I, yeah, I it's okay. I, I would say it's. it's is season two really good? I haven't started season two. I haven't. I heard season two is very good. I heard it's better than the first season. Yeah. Um, it's butter. I the like- characters in the in the first season are interesting because like I, you kind of find yourself agreeing with some of them, but like everybody's kind of horrible. Yeah, they're all. <laughs> The scummiest you know? rich people you could think of in a lot of ways, but there are some characters that have been kind of brought into uh, the the rich society that aren't necessarily like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Alexandra Daddario, is that her? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's kind of that character in in the show, um, kind of resenting her position, her new position. Um, I, I liked it. I liked Armand, the, the character who's played by the actor who played Frank. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's good. Great. <laughs> he's like the best part of that show. And Is he like a comedic character? Yeah, well, yeah. Like he's funny? Yes, of course. But like there is something that happens. It's, it's rough. Um, but uh, Falls I, into a hole. Falls into a big old hole. Um, it, literally. Not literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, metaphorically, he does. But, like, yeah, I, I really liked him. And, man, I love him now as an actor. Yeah. I watched the third episode of Last of Us as well. Oh, yeah. Good Lord, that was phenomenal. Um, I, it was such an emotional episode about basically two supporting characters, supplementary characters in the video game, really. Yeah, it's a bottle episode. This one's a bottle episode. Fucking great bottle episode, man. Made me cry. That shit. Oh, we're talking about Last of Us now? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I was. Oh, that, I wanted to know if the guy was like comedic because um, it's cool to see, I guess, like Ron Swanson, like Nick, yeah. like two comedic ar- car- uh, actors playing like a serious role. And they both really flexed their dramatic muscle in this episode. It is 
you know, it's harrowing what happens to these guys. And it's sad and happy at the same time, you know? It's good to see yeah. that they're Yeah, in fucking Neil Druck, Druckman. Yeah, Neil Druckman being like, shit. what are you talking about? This he's is like, why are you guys crying? This is the happy episode. Like, <laughs> like he's not wrong, probably. Yeah, too, I mean, they, I can see that. There's, like, out of all of this horribleness, there's actual love blossoming. Yeah, and, like, they mm. didn't lose one or the other due to due to whatever was you know the infection the you know I like whatever that the so cordyceps is I like that so much more. you know mm. yeah. like they Way like they they, they lived a life and and died of i mean i don't want to say natural causes because it technically was not natural causes but you know they weren't torn like you know they they were talking about how um uh because i've been listening to that podcast and Druckmann and Mazin had had a whole like um, they had a whole like backstory like scene written up for Tess, where she had a husband and a son, and what happened was the you know the cordyceps hit and uh, both of them got infected and she killed the husband her husband but she couldn't kill her, her son so she just locked him in the basement. Wow. And like he ends up turning into a clicker and stuff. Like Ooh. that's like really that's like really sad. Also, also like awesome. Like I wish yeah. they had that. Maybe maybe we'll get that at some point. But like, um, but yeah. But it was like usually with these things, like that's what happens. You know, I mean, in the game, you see you see the same thing happen with Sam and Henry too. Like, yeah, it wasn't it mm-hmm. wasn't like they grew old together and then lived a full life and died. You know, due to non-infection based uh illnesses or 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 drama that way like it was happy right yeah yeah it was was sweet it was out of all the people that didn't get the choice of how they died in this apocalypse they get they chose how you know spoilers they chose right yeah yeah they went yeah they chose their own way to go this does give me a lot of hope for the sam and henry stuff too yeah, me too. You know, I'm not expecting another bottle episode, really, but I'm, you know, I, I kind of, I don't know. Uh, whatever worries I had about the show are very, very quickly getting ext- extinguished just because mm. of how they're handling everything. Yeah, I could say that, you know, I thought it was going to be okay. I thought it was going to be at least good, but man, I think this, this episode yeah, it's, is. It's, it's yeah. real good. <laughs> real good i feel like this is the one like i said on the on the discord this is the episode you tell people you know about for the show this is the one where i flat out hit the button on tim and said all right you gotta watch the show now sorry was that was that something where tim was just like just let me know well like we we, me and tim have our own side dialogue about the last of us okay and um you know i i keep telling him like yeah it's it's pretty good it's pretty good like you know i'll let you know how it is because like his, you know, his worries are the same as my worries. Where like they're just, it's not going to do the source material justice. And yeah, um, I mean, obviously, like I'm eating, I'll eat all my crow forever for this. But like, um, they like, and now it's like Tim, like you had, like you have to watch, you have to watch it now. Yeah, like now, yeah, cause this now is, you should make because this point. episode is not. We don't get this in the game. Like we don't, we don't get anything close to this in the game for 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 these characters. So it's like. Yeah. Like if t- this is like one of those things where it kind of maybe this was a gift to, I, f- I feel it was a gift to the people that played the game because oh absolutely like it's not and it's really cool that they're doing that because somebody was trying to tell me before that this is for this is shows made for for people that that didn't play the game so they don't have to play it and I'm like I don't know I hope I hope that's not true well, yeah. well think about think of it this way because it's like in the game like when you uh. Like you're in like a gymnasium and there's like a boss battle. Like you can't do a boss battle in a show. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it's way more impactful to do character studies rather than be like, oh, we got to fight two big bull zombies. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, that would have been weird. <laughs> but yeah, like they- being able to like see someone's life and how they like lived through this event. And like, I want to, I want to say this too. I want to eat, I want to eat a little bit more crow as well, because like, you know, we were talking about this before. Like we know that, that Pedro and Bella didn't play the game. And I just found out from the podcast that Neil Druckmann specifically told them not to play the game. Oh, and I was like, Oh, that's weird. But then he explains it because Troy Baker is talking about the scene where 
Tess shows that she's infected to Joel, right? And Troy Baker's like, I was so angry because Pedro was so good because when he sees her infection, he gets like he jumps back and he gets scared. And yeah, and then they're like Neil Druckmann's talking about like he was like we would have never gotten that if they had played the game, and he was like because like what would happen is Troy like he would he would play the game and he would just the the best that he could do is would be a would be a poor imitation of of what your version of Joel is and he's right. like I wanted and I was like you know what that makes sense like make don't make it about the game make it about the script and let you know let Pedro Pascal become Joel in his own way and, and I think it that makes sense natural to like the reactions are more natural yeah and like <laughs> yeah because Troy Baker was like I was so angry because that was so good and I never did anything like that when I was <laughs> when I was when I was being mo capped. He's like, I didn't even think of that. And he's like, that's why I was mad because it was so, it was so incredible. Like that was such a Joel, it was such a Joel thing. Well, I, I'll yeah. tell you what, from, from the preview for the next episode, that looks like it's right from the video game. Yeah, that's well, a he ain't is, even uh, hard Shauna, Shauna's character, I don't think is in the game though, right? That's Sure, I, but I'm, I'm more talking about the... Uh, oh, you're the talking about the, the they're, they land in Pittsburgh yeah. and they get... And then we, we get to watch Joel fucking wipe out an entire fucking <laughs> squad of, of raiders Which is by himself. I, one of my favorite scenes in the game. And I, if I remember. He it, ain't even hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, that kind of rules, actually. I do that's in the preview. He says that. Yeah. Right? Doesn't he say it? Wow. And she's like, we're going to help him. And he's like, no. <laughs> and then truck crashes. <laughs> and I, I mean, I was saying this to you, Devin, too. Is like, it kind of it's kind of bittersweet too, because I really respect like all the changes that they make, but yeah. at the same time, like it would have been really cool to see Bella Ramsey's Ellie interact with Nick Offerman's bill, because that's mm. such a, it's such a cool, it's such a funny, like, inter, like interaction in the game, like John, their, what, their interaction. What, yeah. Could you expand on that? Cause I kind of forget like, what was bill like? They're, what did he they're do just both him? jerk offs to each yeah, other. They both fucking hate each other. And then like, um, you know, she's making fun of him cause he's fat and, like, you know, it's just like they, they don't like each other. They don't trust each other. And then the whole um, the whole uh, magazine scene in the truck. I, I mean, we might get that. So I don't know. But like, remember, she's like going through his nudie magazine. Yeah. Oh. She's like, she's like, oh, my God, how does he even walk? And Joel's like, stop fucking looking at that. And she's like, oh, it's this, the pages are sticky. That, that, that's kind of where they confirm that Bill is gay, too. Like, yeah. In the game. Even though the fucking show is too woke now, guys, uh, they got to just. Oh, people said that. You, you know what? Of course. You know what I loved? I love the fact that Ellie was like fucking around with the car, and she's like, "I've never been in a car before." It's yeah, like yeah. And he's like, "Put on your seatbelt," and she's like, "What is a seatbelt?" Yeah, she's, <laughs> like, he reacts like it's like everybody knows, and she's like, mm, "I don't what the." Yeah, her, her reaction to the plane too is that from the game? Can't uh, I, I she does it. talk about. I don't know if they do they see a crash plane. Yeah, I think they. You do see it. I think you see it like in passing. But she does talk about how she's never been on a plane before. I think when they get to um to uh the 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 the, the school, not the school, college where they get University. to the fireflies. No, when oh. they get to the fireflies. Oh, okay. at the end. Yeah. Why? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think she talks about how she's never been on a plane before. Hey, we even got the baby grave. Baby uh, grave. Yeah. Oh, boy. He was bummed after grave. he saw that. He said. He was texting me the whole time. They kill a fucking kid, dude. Oh, man. Oh, God. And another thing, dude, another thing I want to say, too, about that I'm learning from this podcast, which is really interesting. You guys should listen to it because it's Troy Baker's the host, and he just he just drills Druckmann and Mason with questions about the show and specific scenes. It's really, it's really cool. But uh, another thing from the from the podcast was they were they were originally ending the first episode after Joel throws that kid's body in the in the pile. They they end the first episode there, and the producers were like, "Uh, fuck no! Like we need more than that. Like <laughs> yeah. people are gonna not watch the show anymore. They're not gonna come back because they, you know, Druckmann wants to put his fucking dramatic stamp on everything. But like, you know, he does. He's never fucking done a TV show before. Doesn't know how these things work." Yeah, that, that's so, a good, uh, good little little combination there with Craig Madsen and, and Druckmann because I think yeah, and then that that whole cold open scene too that they Druckmann right. didn't want it at all. 
and they they actually didn't put that in until like three weeks before they were they they finished editing, like after they shot everything. Druckmann watched the first episode and was like, "Yeah, this doesn't work." So then Mason like was like, "All right, let's film this and see how it works," and then he loved it. So. I like I like this is that's a great departure from Walking Dead because there is a clear definitive reason for the infection and it kind of is just like that's it there it is and it's and you kind of let the characters grow outside of that and it's not like that's forgotten but it's like we already covered it now let's move on with the characters and and not have this be the hanging part of the plot that people focus on you know which i think is great i think yeah you know it lets you do more with characters because i know people when they were watching walking dead they were just constantly like what caused it what are they going to get into it and then that was a plot point and it was a stupid yeah. plot point in the show um so yeah i mean now there's also a lot in walking dead compared to the last of us show like, sure or the last of us game like there's there's just like too much stuff i think that they're i don't know it's like i don't know i don't want to say it was doomed since they wanted to make it, but I don't know. I think it's you just keep firing your showrunner nonstop. And <laughs> yeah, be, that might have something to do with it. That yeah. might be the reason for it. Um, okay, so if uh, that's all the new stuff, anybody else have anything they want to talk about before I jump into the vacation films? No? Okay, no, I don't, yeah, I don't think so, yeah. All right, folks, well... Uh, Let's start at the beginning with uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, the first film uh, made in 1983, directed by Harold Ramis, written by John Hughes, that John Hughes, folks. Um, Now, I haven't seen this film for a good long while, and, you know, on rewatch, I definitely, it shined a little brighter. I feel like it's definitely, I think, the strongest vacation film too i and i based that purely on not necessarily the griswolds themselves but like the supporting characters because there's two characters i think that are really funny and they have small roles but i feel like they add a lot to the movie that being uh eugene levy in the beginning who's the the slimy car salesman that sells him the uh the wagon <laughs> the wagon clean queen family truckster uh um, yeah yeah, that whole scene is is hilarious in in this film. I mean, it's funny, not hilarious. That's too much. He's like, um, get my car back. Right. <laughs> it's fucking smashed. And he goes <laughs> to open the door like a fucking dumbass. Uh, yeah, and that's a big part of this, too. I feel like all of these movies are how Chevy Chase views, like, regular people, which is with total disdain and, and hatred. <laughs> he thinks people are fucking morons like everyone that isn't him it seems um and clark what's up is that clark is that clark griswold in his head do you think do you think he plays clark clark griswold like superman plays clark kent whoa one a million percent yes that's a great comparison i feel like uh he views the every average joe as just being a, a fucking chump who, who gets taken advantage of and does stupid things because, you know, he's an idiot. And, like, I, I feel like Clark Griswold in all of these movies is really kind of like an antagonist mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Like, he's such an idiot and so overbearing and so, like, committed to having a good time that he kind of ruins everybody else's good time. Yeah. Um. And, uh, yeah, I feel like that's definitely a, a reflection on how Chevy Chase views regular people. And uh, this film is a little lighter on that. Like, I feel like he pumps the brakes because he's not, like, full douchebag at this point. Like, I feel like that kind of grows a little bit more as his career goes on. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, this was actually uh, adapted from a story in National Lampoon Magazine which is why it was produced by them. And it was titled Vacation 58 and was written by John Hughes. Uh, John Hughes like went around to various production companies trying to pitch this. And then it was Warner Brothers that eventually picked it up. Nobody thought it was a really great idea. And that was originally when the script was in the perspective of Russ, not, uh, not Clark. And that changed with production because then Howard Ramis and Chevy Chase rewrote the, the screenplay that John Hughes had and put it in perspective of the father. Now, I feel like that's a better move, generally. Like, I think that's better for a comedy, because mm-hmm. Russ is kind of 
I don't know, an ancillary character. And I can't say that that is primarily from the rewrite. I just think he is just not as interesting as Clark in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, yeah, I think originally, uh, or the, the, uh, the family truckster was created specifically, was an actual car created specifically for the movie, which I've never really heard about before. Never heard of a production company actually making a car for a film like specifically and mm. uh yeah it's just really weird it's one of those things that i that stuck out in my mind this film has the best soundtrack too like it's just really good oh yeah you got like the ramones and like um you got <laughs> lindsey buckingham <laughs> is that though that's on with holiday road right yeah he or did that, yeah. he did holiday road he did also um dancing across the usa which is the song at the end okay. of the fucking really good songs for the for the movie and the tone um yeah i just feel like this just captured the comedy a little bit better than any of the other ones not to mention that like as these movies progress like they just keep recycling the same jokes and it's just it's fucking it's hard to watch especially when you watch them all in a row like it's it's just seeing the same shit over and over and over again and it's it's trying you know, um, but this film is rated uh, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is really high. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little too high, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah. Audience score of 85%. It made six, $61 million at the box office, which is, you know, 1983 money. That's pretty fucking good. And it had a budget of $15 million. Ran for 98 minutes, which I think is perfect for, for any comedy. You know, the 90 to 100 minutes is, that's where you need to be. It's just such a good prototypical comedy. And it, I feel like a lot of other movies kind of tried to follow in its footsteps, especially like road trip films. I feel like, I'm not going to say this is the first road trip movie, but I feel like it's one of the more funny and successful ones. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just feel like, like I said, it's the, the the prototype version of a lot of them that we all love, like Tommy Boy and shit, which I love, honestly. <laughs> it's one of those movies I, I do watch whenever it's on. Um, but yeah, I feel like you had John Hughes behind it too. I feel like that guy mm. is just Prince Money, you know? Like he's just... Oh yeah, yeah. especially in that era. Especially that era, yeah, exactly. And I feel like he just had a had a, his finger on the pulse of like the regular person and how to make them funny and interesting and... Uh, but, you know, as we learned that these films basically are just vehicles for Chevy Chase, and that's something that kind of turned John Hughes off, because Chase Chevy Chase is a dickhead. Um, so then we move on to uh, European Vacation, which is directed by Amy Heckerling and is written by John Hughes. Um, Amy Heckerling is actually a director of Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Clueless, which, to be honest, I feel like are like the big teenage comedies of their era. <laughs> like that's it. That's actually kind of interesting. Right. Like I, I, yeah. she's got, she really knew what was funny about teenagers and man, she just fucking nailed it with both those mm-hmm. movies. I feel like clueless is a movie. Like I think all of us have seen and it was so it was big. It was a big hit. It's like two generations, not generations, but like two decades of like, different styles of teenagers right weird that's weird i feel like like the 90s and the 80s fast times is like it's not necessarily a a framework for shows like stranger things but it like is such a movie of its own time yeah like it's it's a perfect film for the 80s you know thinking thinking about it um I don't mean to jump early into um, Christmas Vacation, but there's that scene in Christmas Vacation where Clark is like staring at the pool outside the window yeah. uh, and he's like imagining it in his head. And then like there's like the hot the hot beach girl or the hot pool girl. Of course. Yeah. And like in my head, I instantly think of Fast Times when I see that. She's wearing and a so, red like, bikini too. Yeah. To like to have that link, like I guess that, that was like a nod I mean, that's such a famous fucking scene that I feel like. No, I, I, yeah, I know that. But like, it's weird that like, you know, they're connected since like, you know, she had directed uh, that movie. So, well, I'll tell you what, Steve, she fucking hated working with Chevy Chase. She literally said, 
directing European Vacation was like hell because of Chase. Uh, she said she always had a ticket back to New York in her pocket. <laughs> oh my goodness! To just leave immediately because Chase was such an overbearing dickhead on set. Mm. And uh, yeah, I mean, like this is before it started to become pub- public knowledge too. So she had to like suffer in silence and just finish the film. It's this is the weakest movie too. Yeah, Europe- European is. Oh yeah, hands down. Yeah, it's just there's not, not many jokes that like come to mind when I think of that one. There's one really fucking funny joke though, and that's every time they they hit Eric Idle on a bike. That is pretty good. Yeah, it's Eric Idle so... getting all like beat up in this movie, and he's so like. You said like like apologetic about yeah. it. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be in the way. <laughs> like, oh, you're from America. He's like real nice to them all the time, <laughs> but he's just constantly being brutalized by Clark. Um, yeah, and in this film, Clark Griswold destroys both Stonehenge and the Statue of Liberty. Um, in in both ways, Stonehenge <laughs> he backs into with his car, and it topples like dominoes. Of course. And uh, the Statue of Liberty, when he's coming back to America, he falls in the cockpit, hits the controls, and they hit the torch, and it spins. And Russ says, the Griswolds are back! That's the last line of the movie. It's so stupid. Uh, (laughs) I hate it so much. Cut, print it, we're done. Movie Uh, over. Who plays Russ in that one? Nobody. Nobody. (laughs) He's the worst Russ, hands down. Yeah, the worst Russ. Like I think the best Russ is is in Vacation or Vegas Vacation. Yeah, Nick Papa George. Nick Papa George. That that is the best story. That's the funniest storyline in that movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, way funnier than Clark's. Way funnier than and anybody else. Um, yeah, but he in in European Vacation, he's just such a so obnoxious and he's a terrible actor. And oh my god, Audrey in this. Oh god, she gave me a fucking headache. Yeah. Woo! She's so annoying. I can't I couldn't believe it. Like and they focus a lot more on their characters in, in this one. Uh it's yeah. just it's bad. It's not good. Um Rotten Tomato score thirty four percent, audience score of forty nine percent, deserved. Um made forty nine million at the box office. You know, moderate success back then. 1985 runtime of 94 minutes so yeah definitely the weakest entry of all of them now we move on to christmas vacation which ah this is the one i've seen the most i'd say out of all of them um it's kind of a a a christmas tradition in the galani household to watch christmas vacation um it's one of those movies where I still I still think it's funny. Like I still think there's a lot to it that's funny. Um, I feel like Clark actually turning on the lights in the house is is it's a really solid joke considering the, that it's just like a light switch in the in the in the garage. Right. It's like it's thing. so realistic of a joke. Yeah. That's like the thing that the vacation movies really struggle with because they're so. It could get this so... one was directed by John Hughes, right? Like originally no. they had no. Jeremiah I know he wrote. S. Okay, check it. But he wrote this. Like he actually. Okay, wrote he screen. also wrote the yeah. So funny you say that, Steve, because Christopher Columbus was going to direct this film. That's what it was. Yeah, I, I knew there was originally somebody else tied. But yeah. he had one dinner with Chase. And before production, <laughs> which he said he was treated like dirt the entire dinner. He said, I'll be home alone. And that Hughes ended up giving him the script for Home Alone to direct after that. Like as an apology. As an yeah. apology, mm. basically. Because <laughs> he's Chase has given him such so much shit. Um it's weird. This movie, I think let me double check this. I think it's PG, but there's like there's some jokes that kind of ride the line. In this, which can be said for like all of vacation movies too, uh, yeah. But it's also it's an eighties PG, PG thirteen. Right? Okay, well that's fine. That actually kind of yeah. that fits. But yeah, you're right. It's nineteen eighty nine. Um, it made seventy three million. I think it's the highest grossing out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it cost twenty five million. A big part of that was Chase's contract. Apparently he made like I think it was a third of the budget. 
Um, that makes sense. This is like the height of his. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's not. Maybe this is the downfall. Well, this is, I I feel like like late 80s, right? He's at the apex. Like he's only going to go down from here. Yeah. I feel like this is the point where he, he jumps his, the career, his career, you know, jumps. Then he makes, um, uh, Pennsylvania. What the hell is that movie called? Nothing but trouble. Nothing but trouble, which is one of my, one of my favorites. That's a fun movie. That was an absolutely fun movie, but Fucking that movie tanked, that. unfortunately. Yeah, because it's weird and disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> I understand it. I understand why it tanked, but I, I just, I don't know. It's the the makeup and the disgusting nature of it. it just hits every hits me, man. Hits my funny bone. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, Christmas Vacation, the theme songs written by Randy Newman. There's always somebody in doing the themes, except for European Vacation. That's mm-hmm. someone like somewhat famous. Randy Newman, of course, is like God when it comes to comedic soundtracks. Yeah, Christmas Vacation's theme is a good one. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty good. Uh, I like. I still like Randy uh, or uh, uh, Lindsey Buckingham's Holiday Road. I think that's oh like, Holiday Road's a banger. That, that's so good. good. Like it's such a fun song. Um, this movie has become a Christmas classic and has inspired uh, th- uh, basically the theme for various Christmas lights and decorations. Like it's become so in- ingrained in the pop culture that like they've started making decorations about like Gris- Clark Griswold. You can hang up a fake Clark W. Griswold yes. uh, for Christmas now dangling from your, your what is it? Your gutter. Your gutter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Devin, I remember he said like, like uh, we were talking about like the neighbors, the yuppies. That were yeah, <laughs> yeah. Young, uh, young Elaine Bennis. <laughs> and I think that's the point, man. I think you're supposed to like be like Clark's such a dickhead, like all the time. Yeah, like I, I mean, my comment I made was like, I just like sure they're snobby, but like they don't really do anything all that bad. No, and they're just they're basically tortured for that the whole movie. I mean, it's somebody who just it, it, it forces others to have a good time. Like that's his mentality, yeah. And it's so prevalent. Maybe it wasn't so like people didn't look at it back then because that was kind of like the state of comedy in the eighties and stuff. But like, yeah, like looking back on it, you're absolutely right. Like he's kind of the antagonist in a lot of ways <laughs> in these movies. Um, I I'd say I like the ending of this too. I like the whole like him waiting for the bonus to build the pool. Mm-hmm. But like in, in the end, he gets an invitation to the Jelly of the Month Club, which is a really dumb joke, but it's funny. Um, and then the SWAT team raiding his house because fucking cousin Eddie kidnaps his boss. Yeah, kidnapping his boss. <laughs> I do I, love the joke where it's like he gives his boss like his Christmas gift, and like they're all in the same the same shape. <laughs> yeah, that's like right. it's like they're all like weird L shaped boxes. Charles. Clark, sir, you know, like that—that's that, always that's an old joke, but it's funny. And him saying all that terrible stuff uh, mm. to people walking by, like "Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Go fuck yourself." Like I, that, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's eighties comedy at its yeah. peak. You know, I I laughed when I watched it, but um, yeah, it's it's a big part of Christmas for a lot of people, and I understand why. It's it's a pretty popular movie. I feel like it's my second favorite. I feel like I still think Vacation, the first one, is is the funniest. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I forgot to mention, it was Eugene Levy and John Candy at the end. John Candy. I'm a John Candy holic man. I love him so. God, I loved him so much. Him at the end of that movie is so funny. Where it's like the other security guard is like traumatized but then john candy's like i've got to go on the roller coasters <laughs> he's like so happy i've never been on that roller coaster and he's getting sick and shit like, <laughs> yeah like, he's like it was a real good ride <laughs> it's really funny uh yeah he's just i don't know he's a cute man i always thought he was he's this humor is always very cute and adorable mm-hmm. i cannot love the guy um and the final entry to the series, and that's Vegas Vacation. I, I initially went into this thinking I wasn't going to like it at all. But I really, 
I like the the rust stuff so much that I feel like it's it probably saved the movie for me. Like that's yeah. the one I've seen the most for whatever reason. I don't know why. It's just the, the Nick Papa Giorgio stuff is so the Papa Giorgio stuff. The the goofy casino he goes to and he's yeah, still yeah, bad. One hundred percent. The 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 fake games you know <laughs> like guess a number and war <laughs> so funny to me um and like eddie digging up money in eddie's backyard yeah which is fun eddie eddie's like the same eddie in in christmas vacation basically but like mm-hmm. and that's the thing like watching all these back back to back it's it's like it's the same fucking jokes over and over and over again. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess watching movie, these back to back is pretty brutal. It's brutal. Like I, this, this movie. Like I feel like if I watched it separate from all the other ones, it would be funny. But like mm-hmm. just the, the same yelling for Russ and the goofy cousin Eddie and his wife having too many kids and his daughter being a slut. Like it's all shit that I've seen like four yeah. or five times. It's it's wild because like from Christmas to Vegas, like they really try to like make um, Eddie's daughter. I forget her name where like they have that like really sad moment where like Clark's like explaining like to Santa and they're like, that's pretty sad. That's pretty sad. And then in the next movie, it's just like she is like straight up just like a Vegas dancer. Like, Well, actually, that's his other daughter. daughter, Oh, is it? The daughter that you're talking about is the one collecting snakes in the desert. (laughs) (laughs) Big snake. Listen, I'll pay her. That's fucking hilarious. (laughs) But she's only in it for like a scene. Never mind. Never mind. All right. All right. But like, you're right though, like it's all about white trash. Like it's just right. white, the white trash joke kind of played to to extent. Um, yeah, I, I, oh man, I can't stand Wayne Newton. <laughs> I, I forgot fucking, about that Wayne Newton plot line. I fucking hate Wayne Newton. He's such a like a phony human being. But he's making pasta. I I know, but it's just not. Chris, he's such a bad actor. Like I mean, it's awful. he's not. He's just the celebrity guy in the movie. Well, he shouldn't have been in it. Like, it's, <laughs> I'd rather have Siegfried and Roy have a bigger part in this than yeah. Than <laughs> they're at least performers, you know. Right. Were Penn and Teller in Vegas Vacation? No, and that's a missed yeah. opportunity. That would have been fun. To see yeah, that. Vegas Parker was ninety-seven. Yeah, uh, they were around. Yeah, that was a missed opportunity. I feel like those guys. Would what am I thinking of? What movie did they show up in? Is it The Hangover? Uh, Penn and Teller. Uh, that's. Mm. As mm. together in a film in a comedy, yeah, like as a cameo. I Man, I feel like there's you're a definitely right. Yeah, but I John's right. There is definitely something. I, I saw them recently in an episode of Hell's Kitchen. Oh shit! Oh, God damn it, Steve. There was uh, the what bullshit show, uh, season twenty-one. It was the the one where they shot it in Vegas. Oh, okay. okay. But um. I thought they're always in Vegas. They're not. No, they're usually in Los Angeles. But the, uh, the reward right. is to work at the Vegas one. Um, but we're here for Vegas vacation. Dang it. So um, neither John Hughes nor uh, National Lampoon had anything to do with this film. They were separate. Yeah, completely. you can kind of tell. You could tell. Uh, he well, like, yeah, that, what's that's, up so, that's so weird. It's so weird to go like, because what was that? 89 for Christmas vacation. And then it's like an eight year jump. I mean, it makes sense. I think Warner Brothers was kind of done with Chevy Chase yeah. as, as a whole. And I actually have some interesting facts that I'm going to get into about him. It's very funny. Um, well, some of it's funny. Um, yeah, uh, Hughes hated the fact that the films were just a vehicle for Chase. Like I said, they had a stuntman slam into the Hoover Dam six times during that <laughs> Oh, my God. Which is really Good sad. Lord, dude. Uh, fuck? I feel like that's it was super dangerous too because it was just like one guide wire. I saw mm. like some of the clips they were shooting. Um, yeah, this is not looked upon well by a lot of critics and stuff. Um, the film was nominated for the sequel nobody asked for at the 1997 Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. <laughs> I liked Vegas Vacation though. Yeah, I, so did I, I. well. Well, John, it lost to Free Willy Three: The, the Rescue. So. <laughs> oh God, the fact that it had it lost to Free Willy, like <laughs> right. it was going against Free Willy Three, is like 
that Nick Papa Giorgio stuff was too good. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's part. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. to Chris's point though, it's the same jokes, and at this point, it's 1997, yeah. and it's yeah. like, yeah, it's 80s comedy in the in the late 90s, which shit don't mm. fly anymore, you know. Um, Rotten Tomatoes score 16 percent, audience score of 51 percent. It made it made 36.4 million over its budget of 25, so like it made money, not a lot, obviously, but um. Yeah, I I feel like eh, it's just another in the long line of Chevy Chase movies that people eventually hated Chase for. So now we're at the point. I want those are all the vacation films. Um, now we're at the point where I get to get into Chevy Chase as a as an actor and how he how he burned every fucking bridge. In his entire career. And this <laughs> stuff. There's a there's a subreddit that I fucking I love it. It's called Hobby Drama. And okay. basically it's people that like go in depth on like the drama behind the vacation movies or the chess it's a competitive chess scene and they break down like everybody's personalities and what they've done and the nitty gritty shit that you really don't know about. I love that stuff. I think most people do. Um, but the, 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 the fascinating thing now, you know, we all are familiar with how shitty Chevy Chase was, especially with like community and everything. So I'm not going to get into like his past with like SNL. We're all kind of true through that, but I am going to go through his Friars club club roasts. Um, the first one was actually pretty great. Like it, people like, uh, I think it was Clint Eastwood, Dan Aykroyd, Neil Simon, Larry King, Richard Lewis, Gilbert Godfrey. Rita Rudner, Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman, John Lovitz, Dennis Miller, and like Lauren Michaels. They had Robert De Niro and Richard Pryor there is doing like little little small parts. Mm. And it was all like kind of fun in games. Like they were poking fun at Chevy Chase and his career. And it was fine. But that was like not peak douchebagness. Like and that came with his second roast. And this one, this is the one that cut the deepest. <laughs> I fucking love oh. it. Um, so the second roast, there's a there's a it's all on YouTube. I, I suggest anybody out there to go watch it because it's it's both sad and funny at the same time. Um yeah, it's just you kind of see Chevy Chase be break down <laughs> like emotionally, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now with this second roast, you, the roast master, which was picked by Chase, was Paul Schaefer, who was the band leader of David Letterman. Um, the roasters were Todd Barry, Richard Belzer, Stephen Colbert, Beverly D'Angelo, Al Franken, Greg Giraldo, Lisa Lampanelli, Nathan Lane, Mark Marin, Steve Martin, and I'll get into that, uh, Lorraine Newman, Randy Quaid, uh, Freddie Roman, and Martin Short. Now, uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short and Randy Quaid all didn't show up. They actually had like video taped responses to the roast, and like nobody was a name at that time because I think the roast was in '98. I want to say this is the first or the second one. This was the second one. This is the one that really like Chase realized how low he sunk. Um, and yeah, the list names kind of nobodies besides Colbert, who still wasn't relatively was relatively unknown at the time. Um, yeah, Al Frank was it, but you know, like I said, not only were the most of the roasters unknown to the audience, but to Chase himself, as they repeated throughout the roast, most of them were younger and knew Chase only through watching him. They never worked with him before or even met him before they were asked to tear him apart on TV. The only three that had any connection were Tim was Lorraine Newman, Paul Schaefer, and Beverly D'Angelo. And those guys really, they're not the most important part of the, the rest. Uh, reportedly, Chase would ask one of the producers for the show why they hadn't invited any famous people. And the simple, simple answer was that they had. And everyone, <laughs> everyone refused the invitation. That's so sad. We but only wrote deserved, I guess. Oh, 100% deserved. We only roast the ones we love, stopped being a sweet message, and became like a condemnation. Uh, they didn't show up to the roast, roast him because they didn't love him. Now, mm. here's some of the jokes that I think were pretty funny about. It's all about Chase's failed career and his cocaine addiction. <laughs> <laughs> um, you made us laugh so much. This is Paul Schaefer. You made us laugh so much and then explicably stopped in, the, in about 1978. Um, <laughs> 
Mark Marin said, at least I'm a nobody at the beginning of my career. Oh, man. <laughs> um, they had a song like that led the roast, which was We Couldn't Get Anybody Good. That was the name of the song. <laughs> and the best line in the song is, an OJ roast would have drawn more star power. <laughs> <laughs> you would have gotten Leslie Nielsen. You would have gotten Leslie Nielsen. Uh, so Chase's drug addiction, which he had struggled for years and went to rehab for, Greg Giraldo said, Chase, Chevy is living proof that you could actually snort the funniness right out of yourself. <laughs> oh, uh, Lorraine Newman, uh, which was a, a cast member of Chase's on the first SNL cast, she explained all of her relationships with the various cast members. And she said, uh, Danny, Dan Aykroyd is hilarious and has invited everyone up to his bar in Canada. Belushi is a little gruff, but it's obvious he's a sweetheart. Chevy said to me, you know, the Holocaust never really happened. (laughs) (laughs) And this joke was in response to Chevy's reputation for anti-Semitism, which another roaster would mock by chanting the Hebrew during the roast. Hobbit said, knock you out. I don't really understand what that means. Um, However, probably the most brutal roast that all came from Stephen Colbert. And if you watch one of the parts of the roast, Unlike the others, Colbert didn't swear much or rip into Chevy's personal life. He even joked about how shocked he was by people's cruelty towards Chevy. Colbert tore Chase apart by getting deep into his insecurities, joking about his washed-up career. The only thing I think of when I look at this man is, there but for the grace of God go I. Why would I tempt the comedy gods to strike me down like this? A comedy lamprey just sucking the joy out of everything you touch. But for some of these people... It fame went to their head, but this man never, never forgot what got him wherever he thinks he is. Before you attack him, think there may come a day in your darkest hour when you are a shadow of your I'll bet paper thin self. And when that day comes, I hope that you are cheered up by somebody, something that Mr. Chase famously said. He's Chevy Chase and you're not. And if that doesn't cheer you up, then I don't know what will. <laughs> uh, great burn by, by Colbert. Um, yeah, it's just hilarious stuff. Really check it out. Um, um, there was a grand finale. What did we get into? A grand finale? Well, the grand finale of the roast. Uh, oh, he oh. kicked off by saying, I agree. This is Chevy at the end of the roast. You know, they come up and they say they love everybody. Mm. He says, I agree with everything that's been said. Threw back a joke or two, then left. His voice broke as he noted that this would be the time the roasty got even with all the other comedians. But there just fucking aren't any. In total, <laughs> the whole thing took 80 seconds, much of which Chevy was silent for. When he did speak, his trademark arrogance and bravado was gone. And he cried like a baby coming home from the bar. Apparently that's... He cried Ooh. back at his hotel. He reportedly cried for hours in a depressive state with Paul Schaefer coming to comfort him. The roast was the moment he hit rock bottom. When he truly realized how badly he fucked up with his former friends, the roast truly devastated Chevy and would haunt him for years to come. Now, all that being said, and it seemed like they kind of were being nice to him towards the end of this whole hobby drama thing. I want to yeah. point out all of the terrible interactions that Chase has had in his career, and there's a good list of them. I already went over Christopher Columbus quit directing uh, Christmas Vacation. On the cast of Community, he was told he told a female cast member, "I want to kill you and rape you." Uh, his wife, Jacqueline Carlin, divorced him over after just over a year due to him making violent threats against her. Um, during a stunt in Three Amigos, Chase made a joke about director John Landis's lax safety precautions after his last film. The film in question, The Twilight Zone, where a stunt gone wrong oh. killed a man and two children. Uh, Kevin Smith met with him to discuss relaunching the popular Fletch series where Chevy went on to claim he invented every funny thing that ever happened in the history of not just comedy, but also the known world. That one lunch ended any possibility of the series. Ron Kubel, a fan of Chevy's, approached him backstage to shake his hand, upon which Chevy slapped him hard across the face. Yvette Nicole Brown was asked who she would kick off of Community if she could and answer with Chevy Chase before the interviewer even finished the question. She... (laughs) along with Glover, has noted Chase's stream of racism toward them and even before yelling the N-word. So Chase would actually yell the N-word at both of them during takes. Oh my god. Like in the background. And just like scream at them to make them fuck up their takes. And also, uh, the community backstory was 
he refused to do the last scene of the third season. Didn't come out of his trailer, refused to come out, and it held up production for two weeks. <laughs> they couldn't finish the fucking show. And that show was like on a razor thin schedule schedule. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's TV in general. Really hard. It was twenty fucking twenty-three, twenty-four episodes a season. Like and then I believe Dan Harmon at like the rap party said uh to t- everyone in the crew to openly say fuck you chevy chase and they just kept like <laughs> chanting it over and over again while he was there with his family <laughs> oh man uh, and then of course we're all we are all familiar with uh, chevy chase leaving drunk messages on dan Armand's uh answering machine and dan yeah. playing those in comedy clubs and telling about how he's not funny how the show sucks how all the actors suck like it's just Wow, terrible shit. Um, there's a reason this guy doesn't have a career anymore. And mm. no, nobody fondly remembers him in Hollywood. And he is just a drunk living in Martha's Vineyard now. So thus ends the, the storied life of Chevy Chase. Uh, I don't He's not dead yet, but uh, a lot of people think he should be. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that to me, far more interesting than the vacation movies hands down <laughs> uh you know what's I, I didn't realize harold ramus was the director of the first one mm-hmm. that poor guy man he just maybe it was just the 80s and 90s of just working with difficult comedians well because like you know like him and bill murray i know they they kind of buried the hatchet before he passed but it was like bill murray wasn't easy at all to work with and like ended friendships and like Harold Ramis just kind of seems like a sweet dude. He really does. <laughs> he just has to deal with mm-hmm. psycho comedians with crazy uh, egos. You know, I read a little bit about the uh, the Twilight Zone movie, like yeah. what happened with the the accident, and apparently there was a president of like the the extras actors uh, was on set during one. I think one of the scenes with Vic Morrow, not the scene where he, in Vietnam with the helicopter. Right. But he kept pointing out to to John Landis how unsafe a lot of the set was and how they were treating a lot of the actors. And I don't know if it was John Landis, but I think the producer kind of wrote him off. And there was the terrible accident that killed a child, two children, and Vic Morrow. Um, yeah, it it is a tragedy, absolutely. Um, terrible, but you know that was definitely a wake up call for hollywood to put into effect like a lot more rules like you know uh and and ways to handle stunts so you know unfortunately that it took that to get people's uh ass asses like onto something apparently there were like child labor laws in hollywood that were pretty stringent but like nobody was enforcing them at all and yeah because it doesn't kids, surprise me no it doesn't surprise me at all and the kids were like that that scene in vietnam they were shooting at like three in the morning kids should be on set morning like it's a lot going on there that was just terrible and sad um and lannis didn't direct the movie for a long time after that like i think he got back into it with the three amigos in the 90s yeah um but yeah it's just ooh, such a that'll mess you up that'll yeah. definitely mess you up I would, I'm sure it still does. Um, yeah, Vic Murrow was like making a comeback too, which I read about. Like, he was, ugh, it's just all terrible. But, um, so that's the vacation movies. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's a weird, that's a weird ending for that. That's it. Boom. (laughs) Well, the book is closed. When it's Chevy Chase, he deserves the bad end. That's fair. That is fair. He's such a piece of shit. Um, so yeah, I think that's another episode of Galani and Chill in the can. Um, so next, Galani and Chill up, guys. I'm going to be watching the Rocky and Creed films, which I'm Ooh. super excited to talk about. Those movies are a huge part of my childhood. Um, I, I watched all five of the Rocky movies almost in the same day, which I what I used to do when I was a kid. Uh, God, I love those movies. <laughs> There's something there. Like, I know that there's like people who watch those who like aren't from where we are that are just like, what are you talking about? They're just sports movies. But there's something more than just that. Like, those movies have something special to them. I think that one scene, I think the scene that I love the most 
as an adult, not so much as a kid, but as an adult, was in the first Rocky with uh, Mickey coming back to Rocky's apartment after he's mm. told him he wasn't going to represent him. But then, you know, Rocky got the big fight with Apollo. And Rocky, like, goes into the bathroom and, like, he thinks Mickey left. And then he, Mickey comes back because he forgot his hat. And then Rocky comes out of the bathroom and looks at him and just goes right back in. And then Mickey, like, gets yeah. his hat and he walks out. And you just hear Rocky, like, yelling at him. He's like, where were you? I didn't have a fucking locker. Like, it's so yeah. sad. And it's, like, the best acting I've seen from Sebastian Stallone in my life. Yeah. It is so good. And, of course, Burgess Meredith is phenomenal in that scene. Um, Wait, so do you take Stallone's acting in Rocky 1 or Creed? What's, his, uh, what's the better performance? I gotta give it to Stallone. I, I just, it's something about him. No, I mean, like, which which Stallone? Oh, which Rocky Stallone? Creed, yeah. Because Ro- Rocky, still. A lot of people say Creed is his best performance ever, too. I think it's his most, like, veteran, like, he's a veteran actor, and mm. he's he yeah. knows the craft better, but, like, there's some rawness to his performance in Rocky that is just, like, you can't recapture that, I don't no. think. Yeah, it, it feels so real, and you can't remake it with Al Pacino <sighs> years later no. and expect it to to work. <laughs> I I'd say this, I you know, I don't know. I think we talked about this before, but I, Rocky's the best sports movie ever made, like hands down. There's no better sports film. Like I, I don't know if you guys disagree, but I it's just just such I a think f- I, phenomenally I mean, good sport movie. Does yeah, Hoop oh, Dreams definitely. does Hoop Dreams count as a sports movie? That's a documentary. <laughs> does it count as a sports movie? Chris? What about Blue Chips? What about Blue, Blue Chips? Blue Chips <laughs> is not good. Blue Chips is not good. Blue I Chips. saw Blue Chips in theaters. Yeah, Blue Chips is a movie I do watch more than once. Like it's, I watch it again and again. I don't know why. It's Nick Nolte more than more than Penny Hardaway. I'll that. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, pro- it's probably Rocky, right? It's the best. It's, it's gotta be right. Or is oh, it maybe you karate we kid, gotta do a tier Devin? list? Maybe we should maybe we should do a tier list. Um Devin said he doesn't want to talk about Rocky Balboa. He yeah, uh only wants to contract. talk about Transformers again. He's che- he's Chevy chasing us. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, he's out. He's 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 had his peak douchebagginess and he yeah, really is part of it. Uh Rock, yeah, Rocky's the best. And I can't wait to talk about it, guys. It's like a it's such a nostalgic thing in my life. And mm. Has a really deep connection to me, which I'll get into a little bit in, in the Galani and Chill episode. But as far as that goes, we have uh, a regular old ass episode of Andy Fanboy next week. So, I mean, this is this is a whole months of backup content. So yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I watched all basically all the Rocky movies and all the Vacation movies while we were doing the Anti Fannies. So. The awards are done, so now it's time for 2023 to push right on through. So Damn right. All right, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next week.